This is the MMA Takes Podcast with your host, Brian Petrie. Hello, welcome to the show. All right, so sorry for starting off with some uh, impromptu singing. Welcome to the MMA Takes Podcast. I got to be honest with you guys, low energy. I don't know what it is. Low energy. I um, I was supposed to record yesterday. I know you guys are probably tired of hearing my fucking sob stories, but sh- long story short, believe it or not, it'll be a long story short. I know I go on and on, but I was going to record yesterday. You used to record on Mondays. Wife works Mondays now, so I got to record on Wednesdays. I, I typically like recording most MMA shows, Ariel, um, Blue Thomas, even even some of the other podcasts. They record Monday because it's the recap's fresh, right? No one really wants to hear a recap on on fucking Friday. But um, I was supposed to record Wednesday. I was going to put it out Wednesday right when I got done recording. Got wiped out with a migraine. Had some had some before that. Had some family not issues or anything like that just like some things I had to do for the family. Not a big deal. Nothing you know. Nothing serious or anything like that. But me just got wiped out with a migraine. I used to get migraines. I, I mean, I still do, but when I was a kid, they were real bad. And then uh, I had the old brain injury, which we talked about. And then uh, they, they've been less frequent with the brain injuries um, since I've had a brain injury, I should say, because I take medicine and all that shit. But uh, when they come, it's it's World War fucking two for me. I'm I'm laid up. It's bad. It's 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 a whole thing. What's crazy is is this happened on Wednesday. So Tuesday night, I started getting in a little bit. Got no sleep. I'm talking no sleep. And I gotta be at, you know I gotta wake up at five. I gotta be at work. I sent a text to my boss, and I don't like I don't I mean I, I don't have perfect attendance or anything like that. Like I'll if my daughter's sick or if I got to do something for the wife or something like that, I'll call them and be like, hey, deal with it. I got more important shit. But when I'm sick, when I actually have a problem, I have a real hard time calling in because I know I can. I, yeah, I, I probably tough it out. I sent him a text, and I just basically said, here's the deal. And, you know, what, what I was going through. And then I said, but I'm coming in. I'm going to come in. He sent a pretty funny gif. A gif was pretty funny. Whatever he sent back. And uh, we did the damn thing. And then once I got off, I had a bunch of other shit to do. Then I came home and basically just crashed and passed out. And my wife was checking on to make sure I wasn't fucking dead. So I'm a little thrown off. I think, I, you know, and my migraine's gone, but you get like the hungover feeling. Like I'm almost like hungover because you take, I don't like taking medicine. I generally don't like taking medicine for headaches. I have medicine that I take for said injury that I got, you know, six years ago, whatever. But other than that, I don't like taking Advil. I don't like taking Excedrin or anything like that. I just never been that guy. Yesterday, I ended up taking some and now I'm feeling like hungover. Like I drank fucking 40 beers last night. My head's swimming. So a little bit of a low energy, but I got to pick it up. I got my fluids here. I'm feeling good. Wife's making tacos. I mean, it's fucking taco night, baby. What are you? What are you? What are you down for, Mister Brian? Um, we got a, a a longer show here. It's gonna be a two parter again. UFC Minneapolis is this weekend. I was going to um, obviously release two podcasts this week. I was going to release the general whatever recap Greenville, go over some news, and then. Uh, Friday put out the Pick'em podcast. This will be a double podcast. So we'll start with some of the topics. We'll recap Greenville. We'll go over some of the Luke Thomas stuff, some of the Chael stuff. Um, and then we'll we'll head into the pick. So I'm going to try to keep it not 
I'm going to try to keep it under an hour, but I can't promise that because we're already four minutes in and I've been talking about fucking nothing. But uh, that's it. Yeah. yeah but, and that's the thing. It sucks. I, 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 know, I love recording. I love doing this. I love being in front of the microphone, talking to you guys, talking MMA. Um, you know, I wanted to record yesterday. I, you know, Wednesday's like my day. I had notes planned out. Was going to have maybe someone on. And it all kind of crashed down. But then, you know, that's, that's the way you got to do, baby. Now, if I was getting paid for it. Now, if I had, if I was getting paid some money, whether either sponsors or someone hired me to whatever the case might have been, daddy showing up for work, right? It might not have been the best show. I might have been a little delirious, might not have been making much sense, but maybe that might be the best show. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, it is what it is, but yeah, so I'm doing this for my own volition. I'm trying to get the numbers up. Numbers are great. Um, you know, that. <laughs> They gone up a little bit. A buddy of mine helped me out in the Reddit form. We'll talk about Luke Thomas here in a minute, but uh, um, yeah. So this bothers me. So I make all my font big so I don't have to fucking squint to read it because I'm a thousand years old. Oh, oh boy. Undo. Undo. Okay. I just deleted all my notes because I'm trying to make it okay. All right, so we'll go into UFC Greenville was this weekend. Yeah, boy, did pretty good. I went nine and two on my picks. Woo! Two underdog hits. Would have been a third one if Rob Font would have fought. Um, yeah, 11 fights on the night. I got to tell you, I thought I was going undefeated. I really did. I lost the uh, the final two fights in the night. I thought I was going 11 and 0. I've gone... I think I've gone 13 and 0 before is obviously my personal best, but that was forever ago. Now that you're betting and I'm, and I'm trying to bet, you know, pick underdogs and whatnot, obviously a perfect record's crazy. This is actually a lot of handicappers. A lot of people prior to this event, were talking about how hard this card is. This is such a hard card to pick, blah, blah, blah. Well, your boy went nine and two. So it wasn't that fucking hard for me. Uh, kicking off the night was Duran. I'm excuse, Yeah. Duran win. See, they they shuffled around, so I'm my paper is different. So we're just gonna we're just gonna go off my paper. Sorry, Andre Ul versus Anderson Dos Santos, great fight. Andre Ul, I had that fight right. I had him winning. He was a pick'em, I believe, and I think he became a favorite, slight favorite at the night. So that wasn't an underdog pick. Um, Andre Ul looked great though. I mean, he he's in shape. He's tough. He's got weird angles. He lands a lot of shots. He dropped Dos Santos quite a few times. Dos Santos is. It's good, but he's not like great. He ended up coming back and winning that third round. Um, Andre Ooh, obviously has a little bit of a problem off his back. He's not like a crazy good submission artist. I don't think he's incompetent, but I, I mean, obviously his game is cutting those weird angles and throwing those shots. He's really long for the division. He busted up Anderson Dos Santos pretty good. Really enjoyed the fight. That was a great fight. Um, Andre Ooh, a guy, another guy really to look for in this division. I think, you know, he's interesting at, at Bantamweight. I think, uh, He's long for that division. I really think if he he can clean up some of his wrestling and clean up some of his ground, I think he can be a problem because he's very awkward. You know, and and those are the guys that do really well. And and, in anything, if they have their own developed style, it's hard to train for that. So I got that one right next up. Duran Wynn versus Eric Spicy. Man, this this scared me. Duran Wynn was my you know lock of the night. He was a huge favorite. Spicy made it interesting. Spicy hurt him several times with knees. Um, Duran win a lot, a lot of Tyson comparisons going out there. I can see why the Tyson's comparison, because short guy got to work your way inside. He, I think he broke the middleweight record for most significant strikes landed, but 
Eric Spicely doesn't have the best chin in the world. No, not taking anything away from Eric Spicely. Um, I don't think it's like he's chinny or anything, but he's been put away before. So he obviously got rocked a little bit in that fight. And maybe it's his maturity for him coming back and whatnot. But fight didn't hit the ground at all. Um, Deron Wynn did not use any of his wrestling because Spicy's really good on the ground. It was interesting, though. Like, uh, if I was Deron Wynn's corner, I would just be screaming, why are you letting him get in a clinch? Every time Spicy got in a clinch into those knees, he hurt, he hurt Deron. Deron stepped in the pothole a few times. You know, he backed up and, and, and definitely didn't like getting fucking kneed in his goddamn face. Um, I, you know, I thought he looked really good against Tom Lawler at 205. He's 5'5", five, five, right? Um, some places have him listed at 5'7". Some people, you know, I think the UFC's got him at 5'6". The guy's 5'5". Five, 5'5", five. Five, five at 170, I'm um, excuse me, at 185. There's some big boys in that weight class, right? And I'm not saying Deron Wynn is a small boy, but, um, there's going to be some problems I see at one, even if he goes to 170, 5'5", five, five at 170, it's still... You know, I mean, uh, Paul Harris is what, like 5'9", five, 5'8", five, maybe, and he's built giant. He's like, you know, Tree Stump or whatever his fucking nickname is. Um, so I don't think going down in weight, I think someone off asked him if he's going to go to 170. I mean, again, I mean, he's going to cut a lot of weight. He's a thick guy. I know he, you know, he, he cuts weight for 185. He walks around well over 200. Um, he looked good, though. I mean, I, the jury's still out, though, on him. I thought he might have looked a little better. Next up, Molly McCann versus Adrian Lipsky. Molly McCann was a plus 215 underdog, and we hit it, baby. We got the underdog money on that one. I just, Adrian Lipsky's a, a, a very attractive woman, a very beautiful girl. Molly McCann, though, I think it was a little more well-rounded, and she fought really great. The stand-up was pretty even, and then Molly McCann would end the round on takedowns. And then towards the end of the fight, <clears throat> excuse me, bug flew in my mouth or something like that. What the fuck happened? I got gunshot in my mouth. Um... Adrian Lipsky, towards the end of the fight, was was putting together a little more and definitely hung tough. She's, she's very, very incredibly tough. But Molly McCann, I just saw her winning this fight top to bottom. She got huge cheers in the crowd, and uh, that's an underdog hit for your guy. Drink a little water there, try to get that out of my throat. Uh, next up was Alan Crowder versus Jerzino Rosenstruck. God, I love saying the guy's name. Um, I, I thought Crowder was some value here, but I had Rosenstruck winning um, nine seconds. It took him nine goddamn seconds to knock out Alan Crowder. Jab, finish on the ground, over. Jarazino's an interesting guy at a heavyweight. Don't put him in there against a wrestler just yet, but you put him in there with like a Derek Lewis coming back. Uh, that'd be fucking interesting. You put him in there with a Francis Ngannou. You know, if the Ngannou stumbles or... If Jarazino starts winning a lot more fights, I mean, there's a lot of interesting things in there. The guy's a good kickboxer um, and not great on the ground, but he's, you know, he'll get there. I don't know where he's actually training out of. I I don't know if he's, he's from a country I can, I've never heard of. Um, So there's that. So I would say where he's from, but I've never heard of the country. I'm embarrassed to admit that, but it's true. Um, Jarazino though, um, again, Look great. Nine seconds. I mean, what, what the fuck are you going to do? I think he's a little disappointed. Like, really? That's it? Um, but it'd be interesting. Keep an eye on him in that heavyweight division. Next up, Matt Wyman versus Luis Pena. Um, poor Matt Wyman getting Arahuani was shoving him down all our throats all week. I know he hasn't fought in five years. He's a legend of the game. He was on the ultimate fighter. He fought Spencer Fish in his debut. He's been around for a long time. Interesting guy. I, I said he's really weird. He is very a very strange bird. 
always been on the average end of fighting, right? He's never been able to beat the top of the top, even even when he was training. You know, he had some good wins. I mean, he's, he's definitely not incompetent. Good fighter. Um, but he came back, and, and Luis Pena just destroyed him. I mean, Matt Wyman didn't have a shot in that fight at all. Had a couple reversals on the ground, but other than that, just got smoked. Should have stopped the fight with the eye cut. I think it's maybe his corner. Maybe should have stopped, and he got TKO'd in the third. Huge gash in his eye. I think his corner... Maybe should have came in because the doctors weren't going to fucking stop the fight. They're gonna like, oh, you got an axe? Is that then an axe hit you in your fucking head? Well, I mean, if you want to fight, you can fight. I mean, I think the corner needs to realize you have a vagina on your eye. Let's pull you out of the fight, right? I, I, I you know, it's hard, to, you know, because Wyman's probably one of those guys that he's a killer. He's like, don't fucking stop this fight no matter what. They obviously want to, you know, but you got to protect your guy. I mean, right? I mean, there's no sense to send him out in the third round. There's no way he's going to win. I mean, I know miracles happen, but Pena wasn't gassing. Pena looked great. Um, and poor poor Matt Wyman getting on that pressure by Eric Hawani trying to be, you know, Mr. Funny Guy. and Matt Wyman, the most important fight of the night. Man, wait a minute. Shut the fuck up, Eric Hawani, you dork. Um, yeah, so Pena won. I obviously got that right. Danny Gay versus Kevin Aguilar. Another underdog hit for your boy. Um... Really good fight. Dan Ige, I thought he was slowing down. He came back, hits hard. Really interesting guy in that division. Kevin Aguilar, again, thinks very average, but the one thing that's not average on him is his toughness. I mean, the guy's incredibly tough. Got hit with some big shots because he easily got taken out of there and, and did not. Fought his way out and then came back a little bit, roared back. I thought Ige was slowing down towards the end of the second round. Third round was great. Um, incredible fight. I love that fight. It was, it was a fun fight. I knew it would be a fun fight. And uh, Ige continuing to look great. I know there's a lot of people who, oh, uh, well, he's he works for Ali and all this shit, just like the Puna guy from the Contender Series. Listen, right? Ali or not, the guy's an incredible fighter, right? He's Dan Ige's a legit dude who's got power. He's got good submissions. I think... When he gets, he starts getting to the top, top, tippity top of that division, which I think is going to be the next steps, top 10, top five, top eight. He might need to work on his cardio just a little bit. Um, I think he did slow down. I think he was trying to take the round off and Aguilar sensed that and, and kind of roared back a little bit. With that being said, Ige was pretty much in control of the whole fight, but that's the things I noticed, you know, just things I noticed. But uh, I think if Ige is going to the top, I think he needs to work on his cardio just a little bit. I know he's had a good camp. I think he's at Extreme Couture or Syndicate. He's in Vegas somewhere. Um, I, I actually don't know what uh, what camp he's out of. Uh, next up, we got Ashley Yoda versus Siri Kondo. No analysis because I literally told you to take a fucking, you know, basically a bowl of spaghetti, throw on the wall, whatever it sticks to. That's who's going to win. But uh, Yoda dominant. She, uh, you know, outgrapple Kondo quite a... Uh, Quite easily and, and got a good win there. Uh, Kevin Holland versus Alessio DiCicchio. Um, pretty, pretty uh, rough decision for DiCicchio. Hasn't fought in a while. He's got a very underwhelming style. He, he, he clinches you. He, he tries to get you in the clinch with some knees and stuff. And uh, Holland wasn't doing anything. Holland talks a lot. I think he was saying some shit about someone wanting to wrestle him. And he was, oh, stand up with me. He was re- trying to wrestle DiCicchio. I, you know, I mentioned it before. Holland's kind of a weird guy. Okay, got a little bit of a, a little bit of a brain problem. I don't. I mean, he's just he's got a weird personality. Um, I, I don't want to say a fighter has a brain problem. That's not young because he. Might, I mean, that's. I don't want the word to get out that he's a brain problem. Like, oh, well, well, you said he had a brain problem. You can't fight. Oh gosh, I gotta watch my words. Um. Anyway, you know, I, I haven't been super impressed with Kevin Holland. Um, talks a lot though. Interesting guy. People are kind of gravitated towards him. Um. I mean. 
I had I thought I, I thought this was the first fight I lost on the night, right? I, I literally had a tweet set out like, "Well, it was a good run, boys," or whatever the fuck. And then they announced Holland won, and I went. His post fight speech was okay. I mean, I guess I mean this is how you get fans nowadays. This is how you do it. Um, and, but if you don't come off likable, then you're gonna come off like an asshole. But I think he's a likable guy. I just I just you know wasn't impressed by his performance. I need to add a little GSP audio in there. I wasn't impressed by your performance. Um, next up, Andrew Lee versus Montana De La Rosa. Great fight again. This fight again, I thought De La Rosa looked great in the beginning. I tweeted out, like, I might have missed this underdog. She's a plus 180. Really good grappling. Really good uh, just overall pressure and tenacity. And, and, and both these women are very evenly matched. Andrew Lee, though, has that next gear, right? She showed the next gear, right? She's the real deal. She's really, really interested in this flyweight division. She's going to fight, be fighting Valentina Shevchenko and probably by year's end, beginning of next year, 2020. If she, um, she'll, get, she'll get one more fight, then they might match her up with Shevchenko. This girl's a real deal. I like Andrea Lee a lot. She's tough. She's got a chin. She's good on the ground. And she obviously took it to the next gear, which is what you want to see, because this is a really good fight. Montella De La Rosa is, 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 is no chump. She's a, she's a real deal. Uh, final two fights, which I got wrong. So I got all those fights right. Final two fights I got wrong. Um, I want to apologize to Randy Brown <laughs> on the Pick'em podcast. I, I said that not he was a rat by any means. I have nothing against Randy Brown, but that the line was a rat. A lot of people picked the underdog on Randy Brown. I didn't see it. I don't, I didn't know how he could be by Brian Barbarina. Um, well, he went out there and showed me how he can be by Brian Barberina. Kept his distance, kept working the body, stopped Brian Barberina in the body. Brian Barberina's great chin, right? When a guy's got a great chin, what do you do? You go to the body. Front kicks, body shots in uh, overtime and just broke him down and he, and he folded. And I was shocked by his performance. He looked great. Took a couple shots. I mean, nothing crazy and, and really mixed in a really smart game plan. And uh, yeah, I didn't see that coming. He was a pretty hefty underdog too. He's a plus two something underdog over Brian Barberina, which I didn't like how high Barberina was. But uh, I was very confident in that fight. And, and so I'd like to apologize to Randy Brown for insinuating that if Byron Barberina landed any punch, he was going to knock him out. Um, uh, so, yeah, so I don't apologize often, but I, I, feel, I feel guilty because obviously I missed the underdog, so I'm, I'm out of myself. But also, Randy Brown fought a great fight. I mean, he really did. He came out there and mixed a lot of things up. Byron Barberina, obviously, he's not the top, top guy in the world. I like seeing his name, too. I've said his name, full name, like 100 times. But uh, Randy Brown, again, came out, looked dominant, looked great, and uh, really good fight. And the main event was um, Renato Mocano versus Chan Sung Jung, a fight I got wrong as well. Um, shocked by this one, if I'm being honest with you. I'm, I'm a Mocano guy. I was very high in Mocano. I had him beating uh, Josie Otto when they fought. Obviously, that didn't happen. Um, I actually had him losing to Calvin Cater. This is, this is what surprises me is... Calvin Cater is a guy everyone loves in this division. His only loss is to Mercano, a dominant loss. Mercano picked him apart with leg kicks and whatnot. Then he goes against Aldo, and a lot of people, he was a favorite against Aldo. Aldo's lost it, blah, 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 all that shit. Aldo goes out and TKOs him. So I figured, okay, this guy's going to come out, and he's going to train well. And, and Chen Sung Jung, again, could have been underestimating him, but he came out well-prepared. He just stood in front of Mercano. No footwork. Just stood right in front of him. I was like, okay. And knew his game plan from the get-go. Wakano didn't really dance, dance around, didn't throw any kicks. Kind of stood in front of him as well. Threw a shot. Korean zombie, Jung Jung. Boop, slipped it. Beautiful right hand. Perfect. Pitch perfect right hand. Dropped him. Finished him on the ground. 
crazy stuff. I mean, really was. I was shocked. I couldn't believe it was, it, it was over that quick. Um, Chan Sung Jung's really turned a corner in his career now. I think the two years off, and now that he's hungry, I don't like that he's calling for a title shot. I think use a little bit of self-awareness there, uh, Zombie. Um, you're obviously not getting a title shot at 145 right now. you got to beat somebody to do it. Wakanda was definitely a somebody, but your last fight was a loss. Before that, you were gone for two years. Let's get another win or two before you try to jump the line at 45. There's some interesting guys at 45, right? Um, him and Edgar were supposed to fight forever, guy. I don't know which one got hurt, so they end up not fighting. Probably Edgar, I think, right? And then Yair stepped in. But um, I'm, I'm super impressed with Korean Zombie and that performance for him. Um, beautiful right hand, just gorgeous. And I think he's really matured and became a really solid fighter, and uh, he's a tough out. He's a tough guy. I mean, if you remember in the Yair fight, he was winning the fight. I mean, he looked great against a real young uh, up and coming dude who's crazy, crazy kicks, crazy techniques. And uh, he stood his ground and really won that fight. So that's a fight. Uh, again, Zombie was a underdog as well. And I missed that. So I'm, I'm upset when I miss underdogs, right? That other people get the Randy Brown one. I feel a little more upset about because I, I, I didn't have nice things to say about Randy Brown uh, particularly. But, um, you know, it is what it is. I mean, he's a, he's a New York guy. You know, he's he's thick skin. So that was usually UFC Greenville. All, all around good card. Um you know, what first time in South Carolina, I think, right? So uh, that was good. So also that weekend or last weekend, what happened was the bare knuckle fight BKFC being stinks. Oh, it's the worst thing ever. I didn't spend money on it. I allegedly um, found a uh, found a link and and watched most of it. Right? So boring. It's so fucking boring. It's these guys going out there bare knuckle, right? And I love boxing and I love fighting and stuff. I don't love bare knuckle. I think it's a little brutal. I think the you know, I'm not a big fan and this is hard to believe because I love him. Man, I've been watching it for so long. I don't love like cuts and like bloody fights. Like I'll never make a top five bloodiest fights. Like that's just I just don't like it. I don't I wish that, you know, dudes didn't bleed or whatever. I understand that it adds drama to it and it's Pretty badass when Nate Diaz gets up after he beats Connor and he's covered in blood or whatever. That's pretty badass. And the picture of you know him flexing in camera is awesome. BJ Penn getting up, licking his fucking oh fucking BJ Penn. That just took my sales out. We'll get to him in a second, but you know, so it adds drama. But I particularly don't like it. In every fight in bare knuckle, no matter what you land, there's a guy bleeding, right? And the boxing's bad because they don't want to break their hands and they don't they don't put full punches behind them and it's it's an awkward thing. Chris Liebman versus Dakota Cochran was was just pathetic. I mean, and then Paulie versus Artem was just, it just stunk, right? Everyone thought Paulie Maginani, this world champion boxer, was gonna outbox Artem Lowball. Call it a robbery, whatever you want to call it. I don't care how you saw it, if you saw Artem one, if you saw um Paulie one, but Paulie looked terrible. He looked Weird. I mean, I know he broke his hands. His hands were really swollen, so that had a lot to do with it. But again, that's the bare knuckle thing. If you break your hand in the first round, you're not going to want to keep throwing that fucking thing. I thought it was so. I thought it was so bad. I think I, th I literally think that might bury the company. I, I'll never tune in again. I know they announced Leonard Garcia and Jason Knight for the next one. Ever. I don't give a shit, right? I'll, I'll catch the highlights on Twitter. I don't care who's fighting. I'm not, I'm not going to watch it again. I'm not going to spend my Saturday night, whatever, watching it. And I'm so glad I didn't pay. It was like 65 bucks or something. $62.99? Get the fuck out of here. $63 for that? Ugh, stinks. I hate it. I don't like it. I, I've, I've commented on before. I don't like the bare knuckle thing. I think it, it, it takes it, it takes the, the, MMA and boxing, whatever you want to call it, it takes a step back, right? I'm sure in the, in bo when boxing was first started, they went bare knuckle. Then they evolved. 
And UFC definitely was bare knuckle in the beginning, and they evolved. MMA was bare knuckle. They evolved, you know, Pancrase, all that stuff. So now it looks like we're going back a little bit, and and, and they only can fucking put it on in Mississippi. That's the only fucking people that eat it up. Um, I know this one was in Florida or whatever, but, you know, Florida's, Florida's Florida. I mean, there's weirdos coming from Florida. Um, but, you know, it's just not my cup of tea, okay? Not my cup of tea. Um yeah, so I thought that stunk. Um, I, I was very disappointed that I watched it. And uh, we talked about BJ Penn. This was not added. I wasn't going to talk about this. I'm getting chirped um, by my friends and everyone who knows my love for BJ Penn. Yesterday, um, or day two days ago maybe, in, in one of these days, I, don't, I can't remember what it was, because um, yesterday was such a wash for me with my headache or whatever. But I was getting chirped. He So he um, was in Hawaii. Uh, uh, I think he was in a Hawaii strip club or bar. And there was video of him like fighting a bouncer, but it was really weird. He was apparently escorted out because he was very drunk. And then the video shows him on top of this bouncer, just kind of shoving his elbow in his face, right? Not letting the guy get up. No punches were really thrown. Someone came up and hit BJ in the back. But all these guys are standing around like, come on, brah. Let him up, brah. Let him go, BJ. Brah. You know, and it's like fucking, I guess in Hawaii, they don't break up fights. Or maybe they're terrified of BJ because I don't know if this was like BJ's crew or not. But it's like, get the fucking guy off him, right? Just not a good look. And then he he goes and posts like two days or a day after. And, he, and this must have been, oh, this couldn't have been recent. This had to have been uh, a little bit ago. But you get cut, you know, Dana White come. Well, let's, let's start from the beginning. Your ex-wife, ex-girlfriend, baby mama, whatever she is, accuses you of all these horrible things, right? You're drunk, you're a drug addict, you're abusive, your kids hate you, blah, blah, blah. Then you come come to MMA, say you're, or come to the UFC event against Clay Guida, say you're, you're fully rejuvenated, you want to fight for the title. Look like shit. Then after the fight, Dana White goes, I can't book this guy anymore. And now this video comes out. I mean, I don't know. It's, it's hard. It's hard because I love BJ. I really, really do. Um, I get me. I don't know. It's just, it sucks. There's nothing I can say. I mean, what, what, what do you want me to say to defend him? I'm not a... Bl- I mean, listen, if you do horrible things like that, I don't care how much I love you, you're fucking dead to me, right? That's just the way it is. You know, you can't go around doing, acting like the way you're acting and, and you're, you're fucking dead to me. Um, so BJ needs to clean it up. I don't know what's going on with him. Uh, I know during his fight week with Clay, he only granted like one interview because he didn't want anyone to ask about it. He kind of released a bullshit statement on BJPen.com, which is by the all-time worst fucking website ever um so yeah so it, you know i feel bad for uh for bj in some ways because he's obviously going through some shit and whatnot I, I think he's having a hard time coming to grips with his career's ending and he's not the same fighter anymore and on top of that obviously he likes to drink and then um but the more and more if more videos like this comes out the more and more you, you know not like i don't i don't believe his wife because i don't think she would lie about something like that or anything like that but the more and more you see videos like that, the more and more you go, okay, so what she's saying is more and more true. The evidence is stacked against him because he denies everything. But it's really hard to see that video and be like, oh, well, yeah. I mean, if you're getting kicked out of strip clubs because you're so drunk, I mean, you're going to take that shit home. And, I mean, what are you going to say and do to her? So, um, yeah, it's just, it's tough. I don't know if I'm going to fully cancel BJ Penn yet. Um, he's quickly making his way off my guys list that's for sure and he was one, he was the first him and rich franklin were the first they're on my mount rushmore i'm gonna have to tear that mount rushmore down because uh I, you just can't have that you can't have that so um yeah so before we get to the picks, so three little things here 
Chael Sonnen um, got really butt hurt, is what the kids say, uh, over Luke Thomas. Luke Thomas, I guess, went on a show a week after or a week before his loss to Machida. Can't fully remember. I think maybe it was the Monday after. And asked the question, is Chael Sonnen great? And I think Luke said he's good, but not great. So Chael released a video. I think it was like a 20-minute video, 15-minute video. And uh, questioned Luke Thomas. Well, I'd be in, you know, and, and was making some very good points. And, and the video was obviously Chael's well-spoken, so it was great. And then he touched on it a little bit. But my question is, he named all his accolades. He named, oh, when Nate Marquardt was the number one guy, I come and beat him. And then uh, this guy was the number one guy, I come and beat him. And I fought Anderson Silva, and he came and beat him. And I, I fought Paolo Fijo, and he was the number one guy, and I come and beat him. That's great, Chael, right? We touched on this last podcast, but all those wins that you just said were under performance enhancing drugs. You joke about how they, oh, that's all I got busted for. My levels were that low. Usually I'm way higher or they didn't bust me for all the stuff. They only caught half of it. So he was clearly cheating. I mean, do we go in and take those wins away from him? So that way we don't even have this conversation anymore. Like Luke Thomas just has a way to really ruffle people's feathers. He ruffles fighters feathers up. I know John Jones, didn't like him for a while, and there's a couple other things. And Luke is a, a straight shooter and says it how it is. And Chael obviously got offended and got upset by this and made a video and insulted Luke, saying, "When I download the, this, is my Chael impression. When I drop this, there's be five hundred thousand people downloading on on iTunes. And then the next day, I'm gonna put it on YouTube, and five hundred more thousand people will watch it. And then when you release your statement, fifteen people will watch it. That's a pretty good Chael, if you ask me." Um, so he's throwing shots at Luke. I think Luke responded. I don't have his response, but I think it's bad timing. And I think this is Chael's gamemanship because Chael said your revenue stream is coming to an end. He said that in the video, right? When Chael released this, I think he might've released this on a Sunday, right? And then the very next week or however many days later, Luke announced on the MMA hour that he's done. This is his last show. No more MMA hour for him, or at all, maybe, and no more MMA beat. So I feel like Chael knew that was coming, timed it perfectly. So now on Reddit and, and other forums and other, you know, Twitter, everyone's saying, well, you know, fucking Chael killed Luke Thomas. Like, it's a Chael thing. Um, if you have a half a brain, you obviously know that's not the truth. If you watch Luke Thomas on Brendan Shaw, which I never actually saw the full interview, it was like an hour, but I listened to it. Like, the dude's got to commute. Like his commute's rough. It's like a four hour train ride. Then he's got to literally run to his shows. He's got like a radio show. He does a lot of his shows out of his home office. I don't know why he can't do the MMA hour there. What? And that's another thing about the MMA hour too. This is what I want to bring up. Talk about a guy projected to fail, right? Luke Thomas has been around for for a while. I have no problem with Luke Thomas. I like Luke Thomas. You know, I have my, my fair share of problems with MMA media. Luke's, I think, on the on the better end because he doesn't fit in. That's what you want. You want a guy that doesn't fit in. Him and Brendan Schaub talk about that a little bit. The problem with Luke, though, and, and, and the one thing, without a doubt, he is one of the best MMA guys, media, whatever you want to call him, at breaking down fights because he knows it. Like He can break it down like no problem. He's fantastic. He's very analytical and knows what he's talking about. No one can take that away from him. He's a little boring, a little robotic. I don't think he clicks with his interviews all that well. I don't think he clicks with fighters. I don't think he, you know, wants to create a relationship and he, he admits that he doesn't fit in. Um, but talk about a guy setting up a guy up to fail, right? Ariel leaves MMA fighting, which is, I mean, Ariel, for some reason, is, is the, the, the big guy in MMA media. Everyone looks up to him. Goes ESPN, right? Smart moves, genius move, right? 
they run the MMA. And again, this is, has to be the fact that like when I was talking about, I like to do the podcast on Monday, they want to run an MMA podcast on Monday because the fights just happened a day prior, right? Or two days prior, excuse me. So they want to run that as early as possible. So Ariel went over to ESPN and did the same exact show. His set is almost identical to what he was doing on MMA fighting in the MMA hour. Then they just throw Luke Thomas in there. They don't fucking change anything. It's the same show. Just with Luke Thomas, right? You're getting a little bit of a different point of view. Luke's different than Ariel, but the set's the same. Everything's the same. And Ariel's over on ESPN doing crazy numbers. And if you go on Twitter or whatever, when Luke was, was live streaming on Twitter, he'd have like 58 views. People, 58 people were watching the show. MMA is a niche market. It's not NBA. It's not fucking this. So it's a very niche market. So you're not going to get these million dollar numbers. You're, you know, million thousands, whatever. And Ariel's show, which I've called bullshit on before, he'll have like, a, you know, he'll have like maybe 800 people watching. And then when, when it's over and you click like, oh, the show's over, how many people watch this? It'd be like 700,000. It's like, my ass, there's 800 people watching two hours ago. What are you talking about, 700,000? But if I was Luke Thomas or if I was put in that situation and they're like, okay, we want you to take over for Ariel, I'm getting a, I know they don't have a ton of money to, to rebuild a whole set, but you got to make changes. Get me a different microphone. I don't want the same fucking microphone Ariel's worn. Everything up front's got to be different. I want to look different. I want to do things different, right? Obviously, that's easier said than done. There's big bosses. There's big media behind this. There's big companies going, this is the way it's done, whatever. Um, so I feel bad for Luke, right? And he's obviously going to stay in the game. He's going to do his own thing. I don't exactly know what he's going to do. Maybe just a radio show and a show from his office or whatever. But it's a shame that that Luke, it's kind of been a, a bittersweet ending because he got put in a position where he was back was against the wall and it was, it was tough for him because he was traveling and he just had a kid and all that. And then Chael comes out and does that. Chael's got a great following. And then, um, and then now this all happened with when it fell apart with the, it's all timing. You know what I mean? So I do feel bad for Luke Thomas. I think he got kind of the wrong in the deal. I'm interested to see what he does next. A lot of people like myself were speculating. Well, what's happened to MMA fighting? Like arrow left is the ship going down. A lot of the writers left to go to the athletic, like what's going to happen. Uh, Esther Lynn, I think, who who works for uh, MMA Fighting. I'm not sure what here. I don't know if it's a guy or girl. Sorry. Esther Lynn. That could be it. I think it's a girl, right? Um, I'm assuming she's a producer or something over there. Um, she tweeted out and someone retweeted that that give us two weeks. We'll, and the MMA hour is going to be back in two weeks. So they're going to maybe bring somebody in. There's a couple talented people over at MMA Fighting. But again, this is what it comes about. Get a new face in there. Get a new guy in there. Kind of change some things up. Rework everything, right? And maybe not go head-to-head -head with Ariel. Maybe go on like a Tuesday. Let Ariel have Monday. You do Tuesday, right? Because that's what's going to happen. You're making people choose. Obviously, I don't choose Ariel, um, but he does. He gets the guest because ESPN has better booking. So, if, But if I, was, if I was in that position, I'd come in and be like, we're doing everything different. And it's not going to cost a lot of money. Obviously, I'm not going to ask to build you a new set, but we're doing things different because you can't compete with that and then, you know, expect all the same results. You can't just throw someone in there. It's, it's got to be different. You know, like when NFL coaches take over a team, the culture's different. They throw shit out. They, they implement their new thing. I think that's what you got to do. And maybe Luke did do that, but he maybe wasn't allowed because of, of all the bureaucracy. So um, that was the, yeah, that was that. And then Colby and uh, Robbie Lawler just got booked for August 3rd. Um, kind of an interesting fight. I was a little surprised by this. I thought Colby would wait out Usman. Usman apparently not going to be ready till November. Um, you're fighting Robbie Lawler in August. And I guess they're expecting him to turn around to fight Usman in November. If he wins Colby, that is, 
Um, that's a tough stretch. I mean, Robbie Lawler's going to fuck you up. I mean, Colby doesn't have the best defense. High-pressure fighter, good wrestler. They've trained together, so he's obviously confident in the matchup. Robbie looked great against Ben Askin. I think that's the same Robbie we're going to see, uh, a real hungry, rejuvenate Robbie. He was supposed to fight this weekend against Tyron and get a rematch back, but uh, Tyron broke his hand or whatever. Um, so, I, you know, I'm I, I'm 50-50 on the fight. I actually, early early predictions, I think Robbie's going to take it. It's going to kind of shake up that uh, that welterweight division a little bit because if Askren looks dominant over Masvidal, I mean, how do you not give him how do you not give him Usman in, in November because they got a little heat? But if Colby wins, if Colby beats Robbie and doesn't get super injured and is ready for November, then you got to give Colby the shot over Usman because they got some real heat as well. So that fight was uh, it was booked for August third, day before my birthday. So you know it's in New York, New Jersey. I wanted to go to LA last year to watch. Uh, for it was all my birthday last year. It was uh, Cody and TJ in LA. Buddy of mine were planning tickets and all that, you know, planning flights and all that. And it kind of fell through a little bit. Never been to Los Angeles before. Don't really care to go, but it would have been really cool to go out there for the fight on my birthday. Um, and then uh, this one's a day before. So uh, happy birthday to me. And then the UFC, con- uh, the contender series was Tuesday, week two. Um, again, kind of a dud a little bit. I-, I was actually a little more impressed this week than I was last week. I thought the two guys he signed were, were tough dudes, really tough dudes to really shake up some of the divisions. Um, I don't know the first guy's name, but Maza was his last name, I believe. Maza. Um, he looked good. He looked tough. Gassed a little bit, but he fought a, a guy who came in overweight, um, a, a guy who who gets dropped a lot and comes back to win fights and submissions and whatnot and almost had him out of there several times. He looked great. Miles, um, oh God, I can't remember his name. The, the registered nurse, the big buff dude, the little mini Dollar Merrill. He looked great, too. Scares me about him is he's very big and powerful and, and has decent wrestling and, and, and can do things. Fight IQ was a little low, in my opinion. I thought if he could have done some things, gas a little bit too. He could have done some things, though, a little bit better in that fight. But Dana obviously saw some talent and ended it. So those are the only two signings. Um, I really wanted to see Kyle Dawkins in there. Kyle Dawkins fought really well. I, I like his range. I liked his punching at, at 185. He's kind of long, long punches. Um, keeping the guy in the end. And, and Lombardo is a tough dude. Like uh, Dawkins came in, I think, with a hundred percent finish rate. Submitted everybody before that. Had Lombardo in a couple chokes and just couldn't get it. But Lombardo, tough as they come, man. I think Dana should have maybe signed Dawkins to, if anything, a developmental deal. I think he'll probably get a shot um, a little bit later on. But um, who knows? I mean, who who really knows? I mean, Chris Curtis should be in the UFC right now. Every time I'm going to talk about the contender series, I'm going to talk about Chris Curtis because. It's a modern-day travesty that he's not signed to UFC. I mean, it's a modern-day travesty, right? He's fighting uh, the Russian dude in July. Um, you know, He's going for a million dollars. I hope he makes a million dollars, and then the UFC realizes they fucked up. I hope he makes a million dollars, goes into the tournament next year at PFL, wins another million, and then goes in again and wins $3 million, then maybe doesn't make smart investments and retire, right? I don't know. Um, he doesn't need the UFC. Hopefully, he proves he doesn't need the UFC. However... Regardless of him not needing the UFC or not, injustices were made of him not getting signed. Every week he tweets at Dana White, Sean Shelby, Greg uh, McManaron. What did you want? You're signing guys with fucking. And the problem is the the, the problem is is he went on with Alonzo uh, Manafield and Greg Hardy. Great, they they had two guys, a light heavyweight and a heavyweight, which are very thin divisions. And it was week one, and Dana White's like, ah, you know, whatever. Because the rest of the weeks he was signing four or five guys. On that, he was like, I'm going to take two guys, right? Montel, uh, Montel Jackson, 
um, was on that. He ended up fighting the UFC. Everyone on that fight, that everyone on that that week that have has won, has fought in the UFC except Chris Curtis, who won with a fucking wheel kick knockout. If you haven't seen, if you're listening to me and you're like, what's this guy babbling about? Find Chris Curtis with Sean Lally and watch the fight. He broke his hand. He went in there with a tour tour groin, and in the third round, Sean Lally, tough guy, tough as he come, fought in Bellator, whatever like that, real rugged Philadelphia, tough as they come. Third round, uh, Chris was up two rounds and nothing. Third round coming in there, Chris could have coasted, set up a perfect wheel kick, knocked him out, TKO'd him. It was awesome. Crowd went nuts. Every uh, Bisming, I think, was announcing. Maybe it was Paul Felder. But when they ranked who should get signed, Bisming had him at number one. But, you know, he's not Greg Hardy. He's not a fucking woman beater that fought in the NFL. So, you know, what are you going to do? All right, so that's it. Um, we're going to do the uh, pick them next. I'm going to take a, you're not going to know, but I'm going to take a small break and then uh, you're going to hear a little bit of a, a little bit of a chime to kind of calm you, to get you, get you ready to make some money. Okay. So I'll see you guys in about two seconds. Oh, that's lovely. Well, this is the pick em part of the podcast. Welcome. June 29th, baby, UFC Minneapolis. Um, do I say Minneapolis weird? Minneapolis? I feel like I say it weird. I don't know why. Minneapolis, Minnesota. Am I saying it right? I feel like I'm saying it wrong. Are they even in Minneapolis? Yeah, you fucking bet your ass they are. Okay, this weekend, Agani versus Santos. I'm actually really pumped about this main event. I think this is a fight that should have been signed. Not should have been, but it was inevitable these guys were fighting. And I've always, always done it to Santos. And Aganyu's so scary. And the guy's terrifying. I mean, it's 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 just he's just so big, so fast, so strong, and powerful. And I mean, he's literally getting better every second, right? I think I think losing the Stipe and then throwing that dud, which I think was way worse. Stipe was a competitive fight. Stipe just outgrappled him and toughed him. The Derek Lewis fight was the worst. He didn't throw a punch. What are you doing, right? That was the worst. Um, I think he learned from that. Now he's just like, fuck it. I'm going to go out there and be a fucking killer. So we got some good fights this week. Let's kick it off with Maurice. Head in the heavyweight division with Maurice Green, who is 7-2. He's a minus 150 favorite versus junior diaper baby Albini. He's 14-5. and five. He is a plus 120 underdog. Um, I don't love either of these guys. I'm going to go ahead and be honest with you. Maurice Green, a guy who is getting a little hype because he's tall, he's big, had a decent performance over Jeff Hughes, his last fight. I think he's got a submission. I mean, he, I, submission, he didn't win the uh, the ultimate fighter on the heavyweight, but he won on the finale, uh, submitted somebody. Decent triangle off his back. Big, tall, long guy. Doesn't have crazy power. I think he's getting better. He's 7-2. He's got a decent record. But uh, it's not a guy that really jumps off the page with me. You cut over the junior Albini who came on the UFC, had a nice little win, and then wore that diaper against Orlowski and then just basically ruined his career. Um, I believe his last time out, he got knocked out by uh, Jerezino. I think that was his last fight. Let me double check on that. Um, he has since not worn the diaper, which is good. So, yeah, he's he's got three losses in a row. Alexi Olenek, Andre Orlowski, um, excuse me, Andre Olowski, Alexi Olenek, and then uh, Jerezino knocked him out with punches and kicks. He's only got one win in the UFC that was over uh, Timothy Johnson by punches. Um, so he's one and three in the UFC. So let's just, even at the heavyweight division, let's just say this is his last fight. I mean, it's got to be, right? You're one and three. If you go one, four, see it, right? And you wore a diaper? You wore a fucking diaper? Yeah, this is, this is, you're going to be dumb after this. Um, 
After that being said, I'm a betting man. As you guys, hopefully you guys know at this point. Whoever the underdog in this fight was, I was going to pick, right? I think the line's pretty close. I understand when Maurice is, 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 the, uh, is the favorite. He has all the intangibles on paper. Albini hasn't won a fight since fucking Bush was in office. Um, but at plus 120, I think Albini can get it done. Underdog. I'm going to take the underdog and Albini. I know that's crazy. I'm, I'm picking a guy with that wore a diaper in the cage and has one in three in his last fight. But I just think he's going to go out there and I think it's going to be an awkward fight. I think Maurice Green's going to try to use his distance. And then I think Albini's just going to be able to take advantage of certain things. I think this fight might be going to the ground. I think uh, Maurice is confident in his back game. And I think he's confident in his jiu-jitsu. I think um, that's going to be the downfall. I think he's going to be so confident that I'm going to catch this guy that Albini's just going to outwork him on top and eventually probably win a decision. I don't see any finish. If a finish happens, it's going to be green finishing Albini. Um, I never thought in many years I picked Junior Albini, but with that plus 120 next to his name, it's hard not to, you know what I mean? It's you got to You got to pick some underdogs, right? If I, if I come in here and just bet all chalk, tell you guys to pick every favorite, every fucking idiot can do that. Right. I'm trying to, to pick the best values for you guys. I think Albini does. I mean, with the underdog, I, I like him Cause I just don't think Maurice green is, uh, is all that great. All right. Next up, we got Emily Spitfire Whitmire. Who's four and two. She's a minus minus one sixty favorite. She is fighting Amanda Rebus, who is six and one, who is a uh, minus one thirty, or excuse me, plus one thirty underdog. Um, Emily Whitmire is a girl who I've doubted uh, a lot. In her last fight, I picked against her, and she looked incredible. Her grappling looked great. Her stand up looked great. She looked in shape. I mean, she didn't get tired. I've never seen Amanda Rebus fight before. Um, is this her UFC debut? It sure is. That makes sense. She was supposed to fight Juliana Lima. Um, back uh, in 2017. So this girl's been signed for a while. She hasn't fought since 2016. Hasn't fought in over three years. So yeah, so um, I don't know much about Rebus. I mean, I'm sure she's a, she's a talented girl. She got signed to UFC. UFC's held on to her for three years. Sure, she's, you know, some kind of injury held her back or whatever. But I, I like Whitmire in this fight. I like her at minus 162. I think that's a great number. Um, a Rebus, though, being out for three years, making UFC debut, six and one, only being a plus 130, She's obviously got to have some skills, George. She's obviously got to have some real talent. I don't. I again. I, I. I'm not super familiar with her, but I am familiar with Whitmire. She looked great in her last fight. I mean, she looked really, really good. I think she's only going to get better, and I think I think she's going to win this fight uh, probably by decision. I wouldn't do any props. I mean, women's fights can go any which way, but I like Whitmire just overworking, outworking, and in 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 taking this one. All right, next up, I've been dreading pronouncing this guy's name because I heard John Anik try it on uh on his podcast and i mean uh, he's a professional so we have dolcha luga babambu oh, excuse me lunga glambua dolcha lunga bua did you get that against daquan Towson. uh dacha is nine and one he is a minus 140 favorite that's what he was he was supposed to fight Justin Ledette, so I think the lane has changed a little bit. Let me see if Oddsharks updated it. Okay, so uh, Dacha is a minus 260, and Daquan Townsend is a plus 200. So this fight's interesting because Dacha is a guy that comes out of that, that uh, Fortis MMA in, in Texas, I believe. Am I correct on this? Um, he's from South Africa, Cape Town, South Africa. Gorgeous. Shout out Don Madge. 
South African zone Don Madge. He, speaking of Don Madge, um, one of my all-time favorite fighters because he was kind enough to come on the show. Love the guy. Love his Instagram. And all that aside, I mean, I'll never pick against Don Madge. Don Madge should come out and, and do everything BJ Penn's doing 10 times worse, which I know he wouldn't, but he could, and I still support the guy, right? That's how lovely that man is. Um, just announced that the fight news coming soon. And I saw on his Instagram, I think he's going to be fighting in Abu Dhabi in September, which is awesome. Great stuff. Perfect, perfect fight. And how cool is that? To be like, oh, where are you fighting at? Dubai. Oh, what are you doing this weekend? Oh, I'm going to Dubai to fight. Like Dubai, from my understanding, is just known for just, I mean, literally last time they were in the Dubai, Abu Dhabi, they fucking built a stadium or built an arena outside had the UFC 112 there and then fucking tore it down right next to the Ferrari plant or whatever the fuck. They got some money over there. But it's not cool as that. Like, yeah, I'm going to Dubai. I got to fight. But uh, shout out Don Madge. Always shout out Don Madge. So this guy, but I believe this guy trains out of, um, um, he was from the Congo and he's fighting out of Cape Town, South Africa. I could have swore he was a Fortis MMA guy. I could be wrong. I thought he was out of Texas. Um, but anyway, I think he's making it. Yeah, UFC debut. He's got a lot of wins every which way. His only loss is to Norman Wessels. By rear naked choke. Yeah, the EFC, that's all fucking uh, South African stuff. So maybe I was wrong. Maybe he's not a Ford MMA guy. Could have been wrong on that. Um, but he's fighting Daquan Townsend. Short notice, Daquan Townsend coming in. 21 and 8 record. Um, pretty big underdog here. He's making his UFC debut as well. He's a, he's a Minnesota guy. Portland Pringle, who's fought like fucking everybody in the Midwest. Um, he has a split decision win over him. He has a couple wins by guillotine, some stoppages. Um, he's been stopped by some, some punches, but he's never been, or excuse me, he's been stopped by submissions and lost decisions, but he's never been stopped by punches. Um, I wish I knew more about both these guys. If I'm being honest with you, the Quan's coming in short notice. Uh, Dacha is coming down from heavyweight to light heavyweight, I believe. Um, so this would be interesting. Um, hmm. I, I mean, I'm going to pick the heavy favorite. I'm going to pick Dacha. He was only a minus 140 favorite over Ledette, who I don't think is great. So it, it, the line is questionable right now. He's a big favorite because Daquan's coming in. Kind of a journeyman, almost 30 fights, hasn't fought in the UFC yet. Um, and, you know, he's a local guy taking a fight on short notice. But I think he's going to come out guns a-blazing. So if Dodge is not ready, um, it, it could be a problem. It could be a big upset. And I'll be even more upset that I missed it. Um, but I'm not sniffing anything out right now. I do think Dodge is going to come in and, and look good. And I'm just, I'm hoping I never have to pronounce his name again. Or hopefully he wins. And and I and I really like his performance. And I really like the person that he is. And I'll just I'll fucking get his name tattooed on me and I'll learn it. I'll fucking learn it. All right. Next up, you got Jarrett Gordon, who's fourteen and three. He's a minus three forty favorite, which I hate. He's fighting Dan Moret, who's thirteen and five. He's a plus two sixty. Um, Moret is zero and two in the UFC. Has not looked great. Jarrett Gordon, I believe, is on three straight losses. This is a real who wants to stick around fight, right? Jared Gordon has that story where he, you know, he's addicted to heroin, OD'd or whatever, has had a troubled past. I follow him on 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 Twitter. He he posts a lot of positive things to try to you know uplift people if they're going through some shit. I know he's had friends that have have passed in the, in the past. I have addiction that in my family, so I have a little bit of sympathy for that as well. But um, I don't know if I want to brought up every fight, right? Let's just talk about the guy's fighting ability, right? He's owned three in his last few fights. He like ripped his hamstring in one of the fights or something like that. Like, and he still came out. I don't remember exactly what happened. Um, 14, three, all his losses are in the UFC. Excuse me. He's only lost two in a row. Yeah. The Jacqueline Silva fight. He lost both of his last fights, but TKO Diego Ferrer and Jacqueline Silva, both Brazilian dudes 
came out and TKO'd him. The Silva fight, he had like a torn leg or something like that, came out on one leg. Um, Dan Moretta, guy I've, I've been really not impressed with as, as well. I think this might be his last fight in the UFC. I'm picking Jared Gordon. Don't need to dance around it. Picking Jared Gordon, I hate him at the line, though. Um, he's that heavy of a favorite. I think it's absolutely bonkers. He's 350, minus 350. A guy that's 0-2, TKO'd in his last two fights, shouldn't, regardless of who his opponent is, should never be minus 350. Unless he's fighting the fucking janitor at the arena, he should never be a minus 350, right? Dan Marek could obviously go out there and shock. But I do like Jared Gordon's game. I do think he's a very talented dude. Um, I'd hopefully he puts it together here. I think, you know, he's, I think he, I mean, he trains out of Milwaukee, so it's kind of a hometown game for him. So hopefully he goes out there and shows up. Next up, you got Jordan Griffin, who is 17 and five, another Duke Rufus guy. He's a minus 360 favorite, which is crazy. Events, Vince Murdoch, who's 12 and three. He is a plus 270 underdog. He is making his UFC debut, if I'm not mistaken. He is a uh, alpha male guy. I need to get on the mic a little more. Sorry, boys. He's an alpha male guy. Um, making his UFC debut, and he's got three losses named all by submission. Um, this is right here crazy to me that Jordan Griffin, who doesn't have a win in the UFC, I believe he has a contender series win and then a loss in the UFC to Dan Ige. He absolutely does. Um, crazy that he's this big of an under or big of a favorite. With that being said, underdog all fucking day. Vince Murdoch is I've never seen him fight. But he's, I've seen highlights of him. He's this little fucking pit bull guy that Alpha Male's bringing up. Young dude against Jordan Griffin in his hometown. Jordan's going to have a little bit of a pressure on him because he's, he's a Duke Rufus guy. Um, Jordan Griffin's good everywhere, but he's not great. He didn't look great against Ige. He had that fight won a couple times, but he, he just couldn't put it together. Looked okay in the contender series. But fucking Vince Murdoch's going to come out there and upset him. I'm telling you right now. Lock it in. Plus 270, baby. Let's play that again. That's another underdog pick. Plus 270. I'm very confident in this pick. I've seen highlights. I said I've never seen a full fight, and that's how confident I am. These alpha male guys, they know how to breed them. They come in. They're a little bit of an underdog because they haven't really fought a lot of people, or maybe they're new to the sport. They got they have had a whole bunch of fights really quick. His only losses are by submission. I don't see Jordan Griffin submitting him. Um, I see this fight staying on the feet until Vince Murdoch wants to take it down on the ground. I like this pick. I like the underdog pick. Plus 270. I'm going to take that all day. Next up, you have uh, Vincius Morea. Vincius Morea, who's uh, 9 and 2. He is a plus 265 underdog. He's fighting Eric Anders, who is a minus 350 favorite. Another crazy line for Eric Anders. Morea is a submission guy, crazy, dangerous submission game. Uh, Anders is coming off that beating that he took in April, in fucking April, by Clear Roundtree. Took a beating. He's already coming back, which is crazy. This guy's been. Aaron Anders has been super active, um, you know, and, he, and he's a tough guy. He's a durable guy. Um, no one's really ever tested his ground yet. He's pretty slow in the stand-up. Um, I think he has good takedown defense. I, I, I don't think he's super incompetent. He's obviously athletic. He's strong. Uh, this is a tough fight because I want to take I want to take the the huge underdog. I want to take the two uh, plus two sixty five because Morea. The minute this hits the ground, Morea could submit him like nobody's business. Anders hasn't impressed lately. You know what I mean? This is I have Anders written down here as the winner, but I'm having like a you know a little internal struggle right now because I'm getting that I'm getting that underdog high. I'm getting that high where you pick a underdog and you win on the money. It's all about money. Um oh, I'm gonna go with Anders. I'm gonna stick with my gut. I think 
the way I had this played out in my head is Morera is going to hunt for takedowns, not going to get him. Anderson's going to bu- Anderson's going to bust him out. Morera is going to get tired. Anderson's going to win TKO. The other way I see it going, that's like the sixty percent chance of how this is going to go. The other way I see it going is Morera um, going for takedowns and then finally getting one at the end of the round and, and getting a submission, rear naked choke, some kind of choke. Oh man, that's I mean it's, I'm sixty forty on this. I I think the line's crazy. I, I would I would love to put some money on Morera. Um, but I'm going to pick Anders. My official pick is Anders, but yeah, I'm, I'm not confident in that at all. Next up, you got Ricardo Ramos, who is 12 and two versus journey. Newsom, who's nine and one. Um, Ramos is a minus three or five favorite. Newsom is a plus two thirty-five underdog. Um, cool name. Journey Newsom. I like that name. Uh, I don't think Newsom has fought in the UFC yet. No. Yeah. UFC debut. A lot of wins by, um, by, uh, um, Rear naked choke, triangle choke, submission guy. Never seen this guy fight at all. Ricardo Ramos is a guy that I was really high on. Um, I feel like he he loses concentration. I think he's very dangerous, but I think he can get caught caught up in the fight a little bit. I think um, if, if if his mental and in his in his his game plan was a little better, I think he'd have a little bit better of a record. He's been spotty left and right, but I think he's an incredible fighter. I think he's talented. I think he's powerful. I think he's. Good to go on a run. Maybe not now, but I think there'll be a point in his in his bantamweight career where he'll go on a run. And uh, so I, I like Ramos in this fight. I don't like him at that high. I think that's crazy. But uh, that, I mean, that's what you get when you get a UFC vet versus a newcomer. But nine and one, Journey Newsome is a nice little, uh, nice little uh, name. He's number one bantamweight in the Pacific Northwest. So if that tells you anything. I mean, there it is. Um, all right, so that was easy. Next up, we got Paul Craig. He's from Scotland. Paul Craig, who's 11 and 3. He is a plus 220 underdog. He's fighting Alonzo Menafield, who's 8 and 0, who is a minus 280 favorite. I mean, how do you bet against Paul Craig at this point, right? He just fucking comes back and win. He burned me the last fight when he fought um, the Fortis MMA guy with the, the, with the crazy name. Um, listen, I like Menafield. I think Menafield's a really, I, I, you know, the problem with Menafield here, though, is is I do think he has a little bit of a conditioning problem. He's a big, muscly guy. I think he's going to have a little bit of conditioning issue. Paul Craig is a tough dude. You can't fucking doubt him. He's got good knockout power. He's got good submissions. He knows how to win fights last minute. If I was Menafield's team, I'd be like, don't go out there and try to knock him out in the first round. Just conserve your fucking energy because Menafield can slow down. He's a big, powerful dude. Um, it's tough not to pick the underdog. I mean... If there's going to be an underdog you're going to pick, it's going to be Paul Craig. But I do think that his luck is running out. I think he's going to lose his fight. I think Menafield's too big, too powerful, too strong, too athletic. I do think the punches are really going to crack uh, Craig. And, and I think Menafield actually can probably get a stoppage here. So I'm going Menafield. Next up, you got Drew Dober, who's 20-9. and nine. He's a plus 305 favorite. He's fighting Polo Reyes, who's 8-5. and five. He's a plus 235 underdog. All week, I've been wanting to pick Polo Reyes. All week. Drew Dober is a guy who's been really inconsistent in his career. I know young Drew Dober has had a lot of losses. He's training with Gaethje now. He's in Colorado. He's getting all that great training. He's gone up in weight, I believe. Um, or is this that lightweight? Maybe is that light. I thought he went up to 170 and was happy there. Um, this is tough because I, I had Polo's, Paul, uh, Polo Reyes all week, but I am going to pick Drew Dober. I hate him. At the, th- this line's a little little lopsided to me. I don't know why Drew Dober is that high, but I think he's going to win. I think he's overall better. Polo Reyes, the only shot he's going to win is knockout Dober, which he could, 
But uh, I think Dober's pressure and relentlessness, he's going to wear down Brez and, and probably get a stoppage. I, I, would, I would, wouldn't bet Dober, but I would bet this fight doesn't go to the decision. Next up, you got Vince Pichel. Vince Fermel Pichel. I, I hate that he doesn't have an E on his name. I've said this before. I just hate it. He's 11 and 2. He's a plus 225 underdog. He's fighting my guy. Not officially yet, but Roosevelt Roberts, who's 8 and 0. He is a minus 285 favorite. A lot of people don't like how Roosevelt Roberts is this high. A lot of people are picking Vince Pichel and the underdog. He's 11 and 2. He's got a good record. Um, Roosevelt Roberts, again, a guy who I'm really high on. I think he's got decent stand up, better chokes. I think his tenacity is great. I think his wrestling is great. His cardio is great. I think he's going to be a tough out for a lot of people. I think he's one of the guys that came off the contender series that's, that I'm really, really high on. I think this guy's the real deal. Vince Pichel just doesn't fight a lot, right? Fought some really good guys, has knockout power, kind of big for the weight class, thick dude for the weight. Um, a lot of people like him as an underdog. Kenny Florian picked him as an underdog. Another, uh, I'm not going to shout the guy out on Twitter because he won't follow me back, but he picked him as an underdog. He has some pretty good picks. Um, I'm going to go with Roosevelt Roberts. I'm not going to pick against my guy. Uh, I think he is a legit guy at, at lightweight. I, I love his game. I love his skill. I think this is a perfect fight for him because if he gets past Pachel, whether it be decision or submission, and he looks good, regardless of if he wins, he's got to look good too. I think he's getting top 10, top 8 talent next. Uh, I think they're going to push for this guy, and, and I like Roosevelt Roberts in that fight. And I like him at minus 280. I know that's crazy, but I like him that high. I throw him in a parlay for sure. Next up, you got Damian Maya, who was 25 and 9. He's a minus... Uh, excuse me, minus one seventy five favorite versus Anthony Rocco Martin, sixteen and four. He's a plus one forty five underdog. Another fight where people like the underdog in this fight. Um, Anthony Rocco Martin called for this fight. I believe he's from Minnesota. Trains at American Top Team. Ever since he changed his name from Tony Martin to Anthony Rocco, he's he's like undefeated or he's got. I think he lost his last fight by decision. Um, but he's had a pretty good record, pretty good run out of it. Let's just say. Uh, no, he won his last fight. Okay, so yeah, since he, since he changed his name, he's literally won four fights in a row. He's a tough out. Listen, this isn't going to be easy for Damian Maia. The blueprint out there on how to beat Damian Maia is out there, right? You stuff his takedowns, and you beat him up. Anthony Rocco Martin isn't a wrestler like Kamar Usman, isn't a wrestler like Colby or Tyron, right? Good grappler. He's good on the ground. He's tricky on the ground, but he's not going to be able to stop every shot. Damian Maia is going to get him down. If Damian Maia comes in shape, the weight cut's good, Damian Maia's going to win this fight. It's it's hard not to bet the under, right? You always want to bet the under. You always want to give... I just think Damian Maia is going to be a little too good right here. I'm picking Damian Maia to win this fight. At minus 175, I like it because I see a lot of money coming on Anthony Rocco Martin. A lot of money will be coming on him, and I like Damian Maia in this fight. I think Damian Maia might even submit him, um, which is crazy because all Anthony Martin... Anthony Rocco, excuse me, Anthony Rocco Martin's been doing is training rear naked choke defense, submission defense. But when you get in there, Damian Maia, it's a different, it's a different beast. I think Damian Maia still has it in him. I think he's going to win this fight. Uh, Co-main event time, a rematch. We got Juicy A Formiga, who's 23 and five. He's a plus 150 underdog versus Joseph Benavidez, who's 27 and five. He's a minus 185 favorite. Um, I like this fight. I like how they're running it back. Joe B's looked incredible. He looked really thin this week. It's weird seeing guys cut down to 125 because even these small guys, I mean, they got to they got to they got to suck themselves out. He looks good though. He looks in shape. Benavidez looks probably in the best shape I've seen him in in quite some time. Uh, people forget that he came off a pretty devastating leg injury and then kind of jumped right back in. Um, 
But Joe Joe B's, I mean, this is his absolute last chance to really, really push for a title shot. He has a win over Hen Cejudo. Even though I don't think he won that fight, he has a win over Cejudo. If they're keeping the flyweights around, this should be an interim title shot, I think. I, I, I don't know why they didn't put the interim on this fight. Formiga's been hot since losing the losing the Benavides. I mean, the guy's stand-up is a lot more competent now. He's terrific on the ground. Um, I like Joe B in this fight, though. I think Joe B's stand I think it's going to go a lot like the first fight. Probably not as quickly, and I don't think Joe B's going to finish him. I, I definitely see this fight going to a decision. I would not prop bet. I would I would prop bet goes to the distance for sure. Um, Joe B's just going to be a little too much for him. I think he's not going to get taken down. I think if he's taken down, he's going to pop right back up, and I think he's going to... He's going to outpoint him in the stand-up. Joby tends to load up and, and, and really shoots big shots, and I think sometimes that is a little predictable and people can see it coming. Um, but I think he's going to be a little more powerful, and I think he's going to come after Formiga. And Formiga isn't a killer on the feet. I think he's very more competent now, but he's not a killer. And I see I see beat Joby winning decision here. All right, main event time. We got the big boys. We got JDS, Junior Santos, 21-5. Plus 200 underdog versus Francis Ngannou. 13 and 3. He's a minus 260 favorite. I love this fight. I really do. There's not a lot of heavyweight fights I get excited about besides maybe like the championship fights. Um, but I'm excited. Both these guys are very similar to each other, right? Um, JDS came on, broke on the scene, and was knocking people out. Won the title by a big crazy knockout. Has crazy power. Good boxing. Uh, Francis Ngannou comes in. A guy who was like homeless, living on the streets. Start training MMA. He's only been training MMA for like five years or something crazy like that. And they just realize this guy's a freak of a talent. Um, hits like crazy, crazy hard, super athletic, super fast. Um, that no one, I don't think either, people have taken Junior Dos Santos's punches, right? People have taken them and they've been okay, right? Um, no one besides Stipe has taken a steep, or a, excuse me, a Francis punch and been okay. He sleeps people. He's so powerful. He sleeps people, right? Junior Dos Santos doesn't have the best chin in the world. He's been knocked out numerous times. Stipe got him. Uh, Alistair Overeem got him. Um, Cain Velasquez kind of got him. I think those wars with Cain Velasquez really took their toll on Junior Santos. With that being said, by no means is Junior Santos incompetent. If I was Junior Santos, I'd come out, I'd throw a fucking overhand right, I'd set the tone, and then I'd try to get this fight to the ground. I think Francis's biggest glaring weakness is the ground still, right? Cain Velasquez didn't get it done. That was going to be the big test. Kane, one of the best grapplers in the uh, heavyweight division. Can he take? Uh, can he take Francis down? Can he? Take, he got caught too early. Couldn't couldn't figure that out. Junior Santos doesn't have the best takedowns in the world, but if Francis hasn't worked on his takedown offense, it doesn't matter because he'll get taken down anyway. Francis actually questioned uh, Junior Santos's legitimate black belt. He says, "I don't think he's a black belt." So there's been like not really heat, but some, some competitive talk between these two. I don't see it going out of the first round. I see this ending in the first round, and I see Francis Ngannou knocking Junior Santos out. I see Francis Ngannou hitting Junior or something. I think it's going to be a crazy knockout. I hate predicting knockouts like that. I hate predicting these huge, overwhelming knockouts, especially in a heavyweight fight, just like we all did for the Derek Lewis-Francis um, fight when there was a dud. I don't see this fight being a dud. I see Junior moving a lot in the beginning. I see both guys probably feeling it out, but I think... The first punch by Ngannou is gonna put gonna put Junior out. I think Ngannou, after he does that, I think rematch for heavyweight. You know, uh, Dana White came out and said that um, he thinks DC after Stipe's got two fights left. If DC doesn't want to cut to two hundred five and fight John Jones, I think Ngannou is gonna be the next guy. 
I think a guy, and, and I think there's some build up there. He knocked out DC's boy and Kane. And I think there's a lot of, a lot of stories that could be built around that. So I'm picking a Ganyu. I like him at the number too. I know that's crazy. I like a lot of heavy favorites, um, uh, you know, and betting heavy favorites too. I mean, I think you should put some money down and you're not going to win a lot, but if you mix in some parlays, you mix in some props, I think you can come out with a pretty good night. Um, so my lock of the night, we'll give you my underdog lock of the night. And we'll give you my lock of the night. So my underdog lock of the night is going to be Vince Murdoch because I only have two on here. I have Vince Murdoch and I have Junior Albini. It's not going to be Albini. Vince Murdoch's going to be my underdog lock of the night. He's a plus 270 underdog. He'll be my underdog lock of the night. And my lock of the night, my absolute lock of the night is going to be Joe B. I think Joe B just, I think he matches up well with Juicier for me. I think it's be, and if you don't want to go Joe B because, you know, for me, it's very tough, I go Roosevelt Roberts. Either of those guys are going to be my lock tonight. They, I mean, you know, I'm going to put them both down. You know what? This is my fucking show. L next to B, L next to Roosevelt, and then L next to Vince Murdoch. Boom. Locks of the night. Um, definitely, guys, you should bet those fights. Bet all the fights I told you to bet. Stay away from some of that really high plus 300s. Okay. So that's the show. Next week, hopefully, we'll be back normal. Um, we have a pay-per-view next week, probably International Fight Weeks next week. So we have a huge pay-per-view. I'm also I'm, I'm going to crank out some more uh, podcasts as well. I think I think next week, this weekend, um, I think the wife's painting, uh, painting one of the rooms, all the rooms. I don't fucking know. So this gave me time to maybe podcast a little bit. So I there's some things I want to do. But next week, we'll definitely have at least two shows. We might have a third one, but I might wait till after the pay-per-view so we, I don't clutter everything. So we'll see about that. But um, thank you for listening, guys. And uh, yeah, follow me on all my social media. Just do it, right? I get, I get, I see the numbers of how many of you guys listen, and I appreciate every single fucking one of you. But then I see that I don't have many on social media yet, right? And my social media game's lacking a little bit. I, I, I kind of take a couple days off. But you need to follow me on there, right? At MMATakes.com on Instagram, at MMATakes at Twitter. And uh, let's let's fucking light the world on fire, guys, okay? If you like the show, I mean, rate and subscribe me as well. I, I, I took my buddy's phone at work, and I subscribed it, and I rated it as well. That's how you get ad deals. I'm not saying I want to load the podcast with ad deals, but we want to get bigger. We want to grow. I want to bring this product to as many ears as I can, okay? So that's my lecture, and uh, I will see you guys, talk to you guys, see you, whatever, uh, next week. You want to take it from the top? Yeah, let's try it. Okay. He will rock you. He repeat that again feel 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 my heat feel my heat yeah it's definitely cool let's lay it down nick you want to lay it down we rolling on the rehearsal